Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are speaking with podcast host and CEO, Ellen Yin. Ellen is the founder of Cubicle to CEO, an online membership teaching service providers, how to attract consistent clients so that they can make their first 10K month without a large audience or posting every single day. Through her social media agency, Ellen Yin Media, Ellen has worked with multi-million dollar brands. Fortune 500 executives, and best-selling authors. She has been featured on MTV and in publications like LA Style, Authority Magazine, The Penny Hoarder, Disrupt Magazine, and Her Campus. Ellen is the host of the award-winning Cubicle to CEO podcast, which features weekly interviews with top business leaders and successful entrepreneurs. Ellen has an incredible story, and she shares so many valuable tips and tools with you today to help you if you are in the space of, I want to grow an online business, I don't have a large audience, and I don't have a clue where to start. So she shares her story and her tips and her business background and everything that she offers. You will absolutely love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Ellen. How are you? Thank you, Marsha. I'm doing so good, and I'm really excited to be here chatting with you and your audience. Oh, I'm grateful to have you here. So I want to get uh, give everyone a chance to get to know you a little bit more. Tell us where you are from. So originally, my family and I are from China, and I immigrated to, to Oregon when I was three. So really, Oregon is my home. I've grown up in this place, and um, it's it's fun because growing up in a small town, you you know, you really get to know your community. And I always joke that, you know, I went to preschool and graduated from college on the same campus <laughs> because <laughs> hilarious. I know because, so I went to Oregon state university. That's where I graduated from. And the, um, the school has a college of, um, I think a college of education and they have, you know, an on-site preschool that their students will. So that's where I went to preschool. And then I ended up back there for college. So yes, very much a small town type of upbringing and it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. I actually, we, we were, we come from a very small town, like really fairly small. And now we live about an hour away. So it is technically a city, but where we live in the city feels like a small town in a big city. So I love that. I love that whole approach. Me too. Are you, yeah. Are you a reader? Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. Anyone who has known me my whole life, I used to I have these really embarrassing home videotapes, Marsha, of when I was like five, my fam, my, well, I guess my mom really, she would just set up a camcorder in the corner of the room and turn it on and 
for hours. I would just read out loud to my stuffed animals or to my sisters. Oh, that's adorable. Are you serious? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been a lifelong reader and these days, you know, I don't get to read as much as I would Mm -hmm. ideally like to, but, um, yeah, totally huge reader. Do you have a book that has made a big impact in your life? That might be a big question too, but just curious if there's been an impactful book for you. There's been so many, um, impactful for different reasons too. Mm -hmm. I will say, um, I'm trying to think of one recently that I've read that stood out to me. Um, you know, actually I'll, I'll circle back a little bit to a time in college. I feel like this book, although I don't necessarily agree with everything in it now that I have more financial wisdom. Um, but at the time when I discovered, um, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover, which yeah. I'm sure many people have read. Um, I was a senior, in, about to enter my senior year of college. And after reading that book, I decided I was going to try to graduate from college debt-free. And at the start of my senior year, I had about $19,000 in student loans. And by May of that year, about a month before graduation, I had paid it off in full. While you were still a student, while I was a student, I was, yeah, I was in school full time. Um, and I worked, you know, a couple jobs to make it happen, but it taught me a lot. I think about what is possible when you set your mind to something that may feel unrealistic. And I think that book, you know, inadvertently kind of sent me on my journey of becoming an entrepreneur. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really, I feel like I credit a lot to, that book in terms of opening my mind of, of what's possible out there. Oh, this is fascinating. I love where this is going to go. So <laughs> <laughs> do you have a mentor who has impacted your life? It might be somebody, you know, somebody you don't know, just curious. I have so many mentors. I think, I think mentors are the greatest investment. One of the most valuable relationships you can have. I really believe all through your life, you should have mentors and in different areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I'm trying to think one, one mentor that comes to, well, from childhood, a mentor that comes to mind is actually my piano teacher. I grew up as a, you know, a classically trained musician. And so my, my house was always full of music growing up and um, my piano teacher really became like a, a grand, a grandmother to me and, and just was such a huge influence in my personal life. But in business, I would say my first mentor that comes to mind is, um, the first person I discovered when I was a brand new baby entrepreneur, you know, hadn't even been in month for a full or hadn't even been in business for a full month. Um, Rachel Peterson, I came across her programs and that again, kind of launched me on my next phase of the journey. But since then, you know, I feel like every stage that I grow into as a business owner, I come across new mentors that help me move up to that next level. I love that you said that because I think that as people are coming into building their own business and being an entrepreneur, sometimes it looks as though, or they feel as though, so if I just do this one program, then I'm going to be able to figure it out or I'm going to be able to launch my business. And I'm like, no, I really believe like you, you, you invest, right. And then you create that impact and then you create the income and then you reinvest and you keep growing. And it's the only way to keep growing is to keep learning from other people. Oh, a thousand percent. I'm so glad you said that Marsha, because I agree with you. I think there's this mentality of one and done Same. with a lot yeah. of people. And also 
the unrealistic expectation that I see a lot in new entrepreneurs, which is that they assign the responsibility of their success entirely on someone else or something external to themselves. And they go, oh, if I buy this, you know, $997 course one time, Mm -hmm. this better make me successful. Otherwise it's not worth it. Nothing is worth it. Right. And, or, and then it's, it's their fault. Like it's their fault. Your program does not work. It's exactly, it's, it's no different than if you're going to the gym and you have yeah. paying for somebody for a program to design for you, but you actually don't ever do the program. It's mm-hmm. not the person's fault who designed the program. It's yeah. <laughs> it's just a, yeah. I love that you said that because I do believe that we can all have multiple mentors throughout our life and building our business. I agree. And I think you really do need to learn from different people because, you know, even if, you know, two mentors were totally identical in what they teach, their perspective will always be different because it's being filtered through their life experience. And so it's always going to look different, a little bit different in practice. And I think that the skills, and I I think that especially this year, I've gone through this big transition from, you know, becoming like a six figure business owner into, um, quickly approaching seven figures and that huge, thank you. That huge jump, that huge transition, it didn't come with, you know, without a lot of growing pains. And I think that the mentorship that I would have needed, um, you know, as my six figure self cannot really be the same as what I need at my seven figure self, because there's, there's different problems that come into the equation at different levels. And so you have to kind of, like you said, continually invest, reinvest in your learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I ask you what lights you up? What is what, what drives you to keep going, doing what you're doing? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I think on a personal level, it's thinking about family and legacy, you know, giving back to my parents who sacrificed so much to bring us here. Um, also providing for my future family, my future kids. I've always said that, you know, in my future, I never want money to be the reason that we have to say no to doing something that matters to us. So, um, giving back to community, all of that on a personal level really resonates with me. Um, on a more broad business level, it's honestly the messages I get from people. I mean, anytime someone shows up in my DMs and I'm on Instagram DMs all the time. So anytime someone's like, like even last night, um, I woke up this morning and someone had tagged me in a story and they were like, I was, they, they had said something like burning the midnight oil and listening to Ellen's podcast while packing your orders. Like they had posted that to their audience. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is so crazy. I can't believe someone randomly somewhere in this world in the middle of the night was listening to my voice as they were packing their business orders. And I just, those small, you know, moments in time mean the world to me because it it makes me realize that, you know, my path has crossed someone else's path and it's made some sort of positive influence in their lives. So I'm really grateful for that. That is beautiful. I absolutely love that. Now you have quite the story and it's, you are someone who, and I love it because Sometimes on this podcast, we end up with like incredible stories of people who have overcome very, very difficult, challenging stories, personal stories. And, and I love that yours has a different spin in the sense that we talk in the business and from the business perspective to show how much change you created in your own life and what you did. So you had this corporate job and take us back to 
early stages of how it led you to here? Yeah. So I have only ever had one corporate job. I've had multiple jobs in my life, but Mm -hmm. only one that I would truly define as like your stereotypical, you know, kind of nine to five setting in a cubicle, all the shebang. Um, and I, I got that job. Um, I'm trying to think I was 23. So this was only, this was like about three years ago now, almost four years ago. Um, and I remember the very first day being at the job, I was like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I knew it with such clarity on that day. And I, you know, it's interesting because I had this realization and I don't think I knew exactly what I was going to do with the realization at that point. I just knew with very, just a hundred percent certainty, this was not where I was going to, you know, rest my roots, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I've always gone into every job with this idea that, okay, as long as I can learn something, perhaps meet someone new, whatever it may be, it is worth the time. It, it has value. So I was like, okay, there's still things that I can learn here. So let's just make the best of it. And what ended up happening is about 10 months later. So I got hired in March and by December of that year, 2017, I had decided, you know what, like, I've learned all that I can learn in this job. I mean, it, it came so quickly because they're they're just it didn't really challenge me very much. And so I was like, mm-hmm. I realized that, and this is maybe something that your listeners can relate to. I think a lot of times we believe that something has to be terrible in order for us to make a change, right? Like we live in extremes as humans. Something either has to be amazing mm-hmm. or really terrible. Yeah. But I realized that where most of us get lost our whole lives is we live somewhere in the middle where we let complacency run our lives and we go, you know, it's not bad. It's not like I was that bad. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And this is what I always tell people like, yes, I didn't like my job at all, but I had amazing friends there. It was easy. I was getting paid a, you know, a decent amount. I, I was very comfortable. Like there was nothing there that really made me feel like, oh my gosh, like my life is the worst thing on earth. So, <laughs> so I could have easily stayed there for years and been fine. But I, you know, I kind of realized because of that, because of that very reason, um, there would never be really a time that it would actually make sense to leave unless I forced myself to just make that decision. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to quit this job because if I don't quit now, it's not like a year from now, something drastically different is going to happen in my life. So how long were you there for? Like how long were you there? Okay. 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. So less than a year. And I know, and again, that broke so many rules, right? People are like, you need to at least stay a year. So there's not a gap on your resume, all the things. Oh yes. All the things. All the things. And my my parents were, you know, not excited about my decision. They were like, why would you leave a stable corporate stable. job? And stable, that's the word there. And man has 2020 taught us some lessons about stability, right? Or perceived, Absolutely. Absolutely. perceived stability. Um, but anyways, yeah. So I quit my job and I didn't have a backup plan. In fact, at the time that I quit, I really, my mindset was, okay, I'm going to try to apply for, um, new jobs in, in Portland. So at the time I lived in Corvallis, which is, you know, where I grew up and where I went to college and Portland is about two hours North. It's like the biggest city that people would recognize in Oregon. Um, and I was planning to move there and, you know, get a new job and start my life in a different city. But what ended up happening is, um, that January actually towards the end of that first month after I quit the job, 
um, one of my old coworkers, ironically at the the company I just left, him and his wife happened to own two coffee shops um, on the side, like as a business. And they had heard through the grapevine that I knew a thing or two about Instagram marketing and they were wanting to get that off the ground. So they reached out to me and they were like, Hey, you know, now that you're not working, you know, at the company, so there's no conflict of interest, like, would you be able to help us with this project? And I mean, it was a $300 project. It was nothing life-changing. It wasn't going to pay my bills by any means. But the the key here is that I I didn't say no just because it was something that I didn't know how, how necessarily that worked. I didn't know what it meant to like have a client, but I was like, okay, sure. I'm available and I have the skill set that can help you. So why not? And I leaned into that curiosity. That's something I always say. And um, it just grew. I mean, by summer that same year in 2018, just a couple months later, I had made my first $10,000 month in my business. And, you know, we've just been growing ever since. So did you take on a lot of new clients in that first little bit, or did it just grow from referral from your first person? So my next client that came after that was not a direct referral for my first client, but it was through relationships, through my network. And that's another key piece that um, I think is overlooked often by people is some sometimes people are so focused on chasing the tactical. 100%. You know, what's what's the next skill or hack or tip that I can learn that they they overlook the foundational aspects of business, which are you you have to build relationships. Like everything is pre, you know dominated by relationships. And so um I actually had a client that started off kind of smaller item and within two weeks they had upgraded the scope of my work. And then within the course of six months, they had, I mean, I basically took over their entire um social media and influencer marketing program. And they were a multi-million dollar company just growing in leaps and bounds. And so one thing led to another. And I and I think that's kind of like the story of my whole life is I never know exactly how it's going to pan out. But I just say, okay, let's just, let's just see where it goes. And then you Mm -hmm. kind of learn as you go. Do you think you would have taken that second job if you hadn't taken the first one? No, because interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because I think anytime you have a new experience, your brain goes, oh, okay. I tried this thing and it didn't kill me and and it's okay. Like I learned something like I I survived. It went great. Maybe even in, in a best case scenario. And I re- even remember distinctly thinking after I had signed on that first $300 client, I was like, okay, I mean, I know this is only $300 and my parents were still like, you need to go get a new job, but <laughs> like, $300, what are you going to do with that? You have to keep I know. something more. <laughs> I know. Luckily I had my, my last, my last paycheck for my job because I had like all these PTO hours saved up pay time off hours. So mm-hmm. anyways, I, my rent was covered at least for that month, but it was, it was funny because my brain in my brain, I was like, okay, if I can do it once, I know I can do it again, but I know I can do it on a bigger scale. And so I think if you can just successfully attempt something one time, your brain adapts and it's like, okay, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And it just grows. I love that because I think a lot of women, I'm going to just generalize for a second in Mm -hmm. business where they can't see the big picture, how the whole thing is going to come together, which they're never going to see anyways. And then they stop because they're like, well, I don't know how that's going to work. Well, we we don't have any idea how any of it's going to work. It's just, it's don't get stuck so much on the big, big picture that you stop doing the daily things to even get there. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. I could not agree with you more there, Marsha, because, and actually I can like tie this back to a direct experience I had at the beginning of this year. So at the beginning of 2020, I can just, and this was before, you know, the global pandemic is before every, we knew all this stuff was going to happen. 2020 has <laughs> not been what we, any of us thought. I mean, I, 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 sorry, I saw a joke the other day that said I was going to buy my 2021 planner, but I'm not buying it until I see a trailer for what the year has. <laughs> I could not stop laughing because that's the thing. We don't ever know, but boy, did we not know this year. I know. Oh my goodness. That's funny. Actually, I mean, maybe it was a sign of the times, but I, I think 2020 was like the first year I actually didn't buy a planner going yeah. into the year. So yeah. maybe my brain subconsciously knew something was up. I don't know. <laughs> um, but at the beginning of this year, I actually distinctly remember having um, like a kind of like a brainstorming session with just myself. And I was like, I cannot see the path to get to a million dollars in one year. I'm like, I, I cannot see how my business is going to produce $1 million in revenue because it was so far beyond, even though I had a successful, you know, six figure business at this point, it was still so far mm-hmm. beyond anything I'd ever created before. So my brain couldn't imagine yeah. from a tactical standpoint, what that looked like, okay. but I was like, okay, let's not get overwhelmed by the fact that this big looming thing seems impossible. Instead, I just again, I leaned into curiosities and I said, okay, like we've mostly always been a service-based business. How do we bring in products? How do we bring in digital products into our revenue streams? Learned one skill set at a time. And, you know, by, and now like this is at the time of this recording, what it's October, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, in August, we had a $86,000 month and that is the monthly recurring revenue of a million dollar business. And so it's wild how much can of less than a year mm-hmm. when you don't when you don't stop yourself from just taking the action because you cannot see the end path. I love that. I love that. That's congrats on that. That's fantastic. So have you noticed this year with COVID, has it changed your business? Has it grown your business? Has it, what has it done? Certainly this has been a year of wild growth for us. Um, I know that we are very, very fortunate and, you know, probably not the norm for, for most other small businesses this year. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's just been an interesting time navigating, all the circumstances of 2020, which I'm sure that everybody else can relate to as well. Um, but I, I do feel very fortunate in the fact that because so much changed for many people and they were kind of forced to confront a reality perhaps that they had never considered, which we were talking about prior to recording this, you know, this idea of stability and how nothing in life is really ever guaranteed, doesn't matter what it is. Um, and having to consider second options and having to spend more time online learning, I think that it really did open up an amazing opportunity for those of us in the online space. Mm-hmm. So I, I do feel so much gratitude for that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was definitely a year of growth for us. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I see when I look at your notes here, you've worked with some fairly big companies and some fairly big names. Now, did I see an email the other day? that you were on, what show were you on the other day? 
the Today Show. You were on the Today Show. I thought so. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I saw an email come through or maybe it was on Instagram or Facebook, whatever. I saw it and I went, whoa, I need to stop because I'm actually interviewing her in a couple of days. (laughs) (laughs) I went to change. It was just really funny when I saw it. So tell us about that. Yeah, that was such a fun experience. Um, So I landed that opportunity because of my publicist, um, Olivia, who is just amazing. And again, this all goes back to relationships because I actually met Olivia earlier this year through um, a very short-lived partnership with a different company that at the time she was contracted by. And neither of us ended up staying with that company, but because of the friendship we developed in our short time working there together, we ended up, you know, working together in a totally different way. And so again, business is all about relationships. You just never know. Mm -hmm. Um, but she pitched me and my boyfriend, uh, Dustin for this opportunity. They, uh, Hoda and Jenna have this he said, she said segment where they do style makeovers and they wanted to do a style makeover for a couple who was working from home and was kind of stuck in a quarantine rut. And I mean, if you watch the segment, you know, I mean, I just wear sweats and yeah, well, yeah <laughs> this, I'm just looking at myself right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sweats in the same shirt every day and, you know, same thing for Dustin. And so it was, it was a really fun experience. Um, and media and visibility and publicity are definitely big goals of ours for going into 2021, something we're really prioritizing. And so it was, it was just a cool, you know, experience. And it, and even though that was short lived too, right? Like TV, you get your five minutes of airtime and, and then it's whatever. But, um, again, I'm always looking at every opportunity from the connections and the relationships I make. So being able, you know, even through that one experience, I met a publicist for a different company that we're now talking about potential partnership opportunities with. And then I, you know, became friends with one of the producers for the show and it, it just grows. Like your, your network is always evolving if you're looking for the opportunity to really connect with people. Mm-hmm. And, and the opportunity without the agenda, which I think is, I can, I can sense that from you anyways. I just wanted to add that because I think sometimes people come in with an agenda and it's like, yeah, you can see it all over your face. It's exactly how you act, how you speak. But when you actually go in with an open, like an open mind to actually connect and get to know people, people, it's amazing sometimes the doors that can open up afterwards. And you're like, I had no idea that saying yes to this one thing would lead to all of these things in the next year. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's exactly, Marsha, the word that I would use, agenda. People people just need to stop trying to control situations outside of their control, right? You yes. cannot decide or predetermine like this is why this person is in my life because mm-hmm. you don't know. I mean, there's so many factors mm-hmm. and I can even give, I don't know if this would be helpful to your listeners. I can yeah. even give a very tangible example of like how a crazy roundabout sure. you know, relationship can happen. So my big, big client um, in my first year of business, that like multi-million dollar company I was talking to you about, the reason I even got connected with them is because on my very first day of orientation at my corporate job, I happened to sit next to a girl named Molly who used to be <laughs> the you know director of sales for, um, for a big fitness chain in this region. And at the time, years ago, when she was the director of sales in this, in this you know, world, she had someone on her sales team named Rachel. And then they parted ways like they you know hadn't talked for a while. But right after I quit my job, an opportunity came up 
at this new, um, this brand that eventually became one of my big clients. And Rachel had now become the director of marketing for this company. And she reached out to Molly and was like, Hey, we have a, you know, a contracted position that is opening up. Would you be interested? And Molly was busy at the time and couldn't take it on. But then she thought of me because I had just quit my job and I had made, you know, again, made yourself available. So yeah, that roundabout ended up turning into one of my biggest clients. And then Rachel and I eventually both, you know, parted ways with that company, that client that we had shared in common, but then had maintained our friendship. And so last fall in 2019, um, my very first time ever speaking on stage as a speaker was at Rachel's personal growth conference here in Portland. And so it just, it just (laughs) keeps on going. Like you never know what one connection can lead to. So don't presume anything about anyone because you just don't know. I love that. I love, 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 love that. I have a question for you Mm -hmm. is one of the things you had mentioned was that people say, well, I have such a a small following on Instagram. I don't have the numbers. I don't have the people. I can't sell to a, to a small audience or no one's listening, no one's any tips for people who are in those earlier stages where they are trying to show up online, but they maybe they have a smaller following. Now, I also do know a number of coaches who have well under 10,000, but are earning well over 500,000. So I know it doesn't equate to that, but that is a Mm -hmm. common thing that I hear from women in business as they are starting thinking, I don't have a large enough audience. Yeah. It is very common. It's probably the number one question I get asked is in my DMs on a daily basis, how do I grow my following? Like that's the number one question I get asked. And I actually want to record a whole separate podcast episode on this sometime, but I realized over time that your life is dictated by the quality of questions you ask. Mm -hmm. And asking how do I grow my following, I think is a very surface level low quality question because it's not it's not making you think bigger right it's like what when i ask people okay why do you want a large following is it is it for the vanity of it is it ego is it because you think it'll bring you more sales most of the time people think oh well it's because i'll i'll earn more money if i have a large audience you know I'll, my business will be more successful and i have just not really always found that correlation to be true and so um, my biggest advice for people is to realize that this is something I, I teach is that influence is easier to borrow than it is to create. And the whole idea behind that is, look, yes, you could you, you could spend all your energy and time thinking about how do I get more followers for your platform, but the truth is the people you want to serve, they already exist out there in communities that have been built for you by other influencers, by other brands, by other, where do they hang out? They hang out somewhere. They exist. These people already pre-exist. It's not like you have to create people from scratch. No. (laughs) Right. So it's, yes. So it's just this idea of how do you then find that traffic source, find those traffic sources of your people and get in front of that. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you, you know, kind of capitalize off of the communities and the influence that has already been created around you. There's so much abundance in that. And I, um, and that's kind of what I teach is, is this idea of instead of focusing so much on, you know, obsessing over your following number, how about you instead focus on making those right connections, getting in front of the right traffic sources, and really thinking about each individual that you're impacting. Because I think, especially as women, we like to, we're so hard on ourselves. And I think that we, 
talk in absolutes where we'll say things like, oh, you know, this was such a failure because I only, you know, I only sold my program to two people. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw this um, quote the other day. I don't remember who posted it, but it really struck me because the the person flipped the question onto back to the person and said, how, how do you think those two people who invested in you would feel if they heard oh. you saying that? Like, oh, okay. I, Right. It's, it, it, it was really powerful because I was like, oh, that's so true. Like they would feel like total, like insignificance to you. If you were like, if you just dismissed that they decided to step out and invest their time, energy, and money into you, they believed in you as their coach, as their whatever. And for you to dismiss that completely and be like, oh, I didn't sell anything because I only sold to two people. It's like, okay, but instead of focusing on that. Why didn't you focus on these two people who decided to show up for you? And how about you go create awesome results for them? So that's so good because I think that I've said that and I've done that myself with my very first program, I think had one person, then I had two people and then it continues to grow. And, and one of my clients said, well, what do we do if there's only two? Like, do we just cancel? I'm like, no, you service the crap out of those two. Like you Mm -hmm. make them feel like they are gold. They are in the beginning stages of your program. You give them what you have. And I always think if we can't celebrate two, how do we celebrate 10? How do we celebrate 20? How do we celebrate? Like we just can't, we have to be able to celebrate what we have now. Yes. A hundred percent. And I will also say that I think it kind of plays into this idea of what you just said, like the beginnings of your program, how your first iteration isn't likely going to be your last. And sometimes we give up too early on something because the first attempt wasn't as you know grandiose as we made it out to be in our minds. Mm-hmm. And an example I can give of that is, for example, I have a course called Hashtag Hacks and you know, when I first launched Hashtag Hacks, it was, I think it was fall last year, 2019. And in its first, um, in its first six months, I, I think we had less than 50 people join that program. And it, it, I mean, it was, it was a, a trickle if that, <laughs> and, and I could have easily looked at that and been like, oh, this is like a, not a good concept. Like, let's just scratch this thing and go out and create more new things. And there's this excitement that comes with creating something new, but then inevitably you feel that crash again if it you know doesn't work out exactly how you hoped. But we just kept plugging away at it and we just kept improving it, improving it, trying different ways to market it. And now in the past six months of this year, we've enrolled close to 4,000 people in that program. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I mean, imagine if we had just like, thrown that in the trash and been like, forget it. It's not working, you know? So again, just this idea that time is really a huge player in a lot of things. And I think if you're going to be in business, you have to learn how to play the long game. Yeah, it's a long game. It is a hundred percent a long game. Again, when we go back to social media, sometimes we're looking at a person's glimpse of their social media status right now, their pictures where they're at. And First, it's a glimpse of time. Like it's a moment in time. We don't see yeah. the five years that it took for them to create that 10 years, whatever that is, right? We don't see it. So we take it out of context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that you said that. So what is the best way? Well, before we get to connect with you, how do you help um, small businesses who are starting out? Like what are some of the things that you do and offer that can help women who are trying to be seen online to showcase their, their products, their business coaching, whatever it is. How do you do that? 
Thank you for asking. Um, so as, as you brought up, Marsha, my big kind of shtick is like being a, a marketing minimalist. I really want business owners to be able to cut through the overwhelm of all the different shiny objects that are floating in this universe to say, okay, what, what are the most effective things I can actually do to move my bottom line? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, certainly for if, if you're, if you're kind of just like a general business, doesn't matter the category. Um, I have a suite of products that's really focused on helping you get visible online and and reach the right audience so that, again, you don't have to stress so much about trying to grow your following necessarily. But our signature program, Cubicle to CEO, which is my podcast of the same name, is an annual membership where we help service solopreneurs um, attract consistent clients to make their first $10,000 a month without without the large audience, without posting every day, without all the things that you know people tell them that they need. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of where the heart of our efforts go. So that's probably the best way to work with me if you are someone who actually works directly with clients. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. And you, you've seen it. It's a possibility. I just want to share and breathe some hope into people who are out there starting their businesses. They're listening to some of these numbers and they're like, I know it and I can hear you already in your brain. So I'm saying it to you, not you, but <laughs> listening. That have, but that's like, that takes years to do. That takes years. So that's not for me or that's for someone else. How do I start when I'm in that starting stage? Like, is it possible? So you've seen people growing their businesses and doing things and creating massive results. So just breathing a little bit of life into people that yes, it's possible and doable. Absolutely. And I think also the question I would pose back to anyone who thinks that is, but who decided that? Like, if you say, if you say, it's going to take me five years. Okay. But is it because you decided it has to take you five years or like, is that a self-imposed limitation? Mm -hmm. Um, so again, I, I feel like sometimes you can't see the big picture, but if you just keep forward with the next step, the next step, the next step, things, momentum builds, right? Momentum rolls downhill, but it takes a while to get it uphill. So, so that is, it certainly does. And consistency, right? It is. Yeah. That doesn't mean, now, what are your quick thoughts on stories? I'd love to hear, like, I mean, I know a lot of coaches right now that literally aren't even posting that often, but are very consistent on their stories. I love Instagram stories. I think that it's one of the most authentic ways to connect with your community. And it's so just unfiltered. I feel like you can just be yourself. You don't have to have any sort of plan or agenda. I think it's really just about listening. Um, that's a big thing is that a lot of people are so focused on trying, like being in their own head and saying, okay, I have to do this, 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 but they don't ever ask their audience. Like, what do you want to see more of? What would serve you? What are, what's hard for you right now? They like, don't really have this dialogue with their people. So if you, if you feel like you're kind of stuck in a rut or you don't have, you know, inspiration for what to create, I would encourage you, those of you listening to start a dialogue because you'll be so surprised how much easier everything comes when you yourself do not have to create all of the ideas from scratch. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Just breathe in a little bit of hope. And I love the challenging questions because who says, 
I also know other coaches who have started their business and have built it to a million dollars in 18 months. Like it mm-hmm. is, I think what it shows is there's so much possibility. And in a time where we are creating major shifts from what we thought was stable in the jobs to what is being created, that there is possibility. There's lots of possibilities out there. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Absolutely. What's the best way on that then to connect with you? So the best way to connect with me, I would say two ways. One, if you are a podcast lover, which obviously you guys are because of Mm -hmm. Marsha's amazing show, I'd love for you guys to tune into Cubicle to CEO. We're on all major streaming sites and we release new episodes every Monday. Mm -hmm. The second best way to connect with me is is just through Instagram. Send me a DM. My username is at Miss Ellen Yin and I'm an open book. So if you have any questions, just shoot them my way. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. I have two questions for you that I would love to ask you before we wrap up is what impact do you want to create in the world? What do you want to leave the world with to remember you by? I love this question. Um, There's so many different vehicles of impact. I feel like that I am really excited about, but I think one of the key things that I want to do with my business in specific is um, create more accessibility. Growing up in a small town and especially, you know, growing up, um, you know, with a background of people who may not necessarily come from entrepreneurs. So entrepreneurship is kind of a new thing. I just think that a lot of access to mentorship and to, you know, brilliant minds and to resources are really congregated currently in large cities like San Francisco, New York, LA. Um, And, you know, you don't hear about like middle of nowhere, Arkansas having, you know, an amazing panel of brilliant leaders and women who come and share their resources and mentorship and, you know, ideas. And I feel like there's so much, there's so much untapped potential in so many small towns across America, Canada, the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would love to find a way to do the thing that I love most in business, which truly is making relationships, connecting, networking, and bring my network and other people's networks into these areas of less accessibility um, to provide these resources, especially for female entrepreneurs, um, especially for you know, minorities that may not have as much access. So that's kind of the big impact vision I have. I love that. That's a great vision. It's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, I have really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for breathing so much light and hope into what some people have seen as a very negative year. And I love that you are saying, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way. There's a lot of possibilities. My last question for you is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, there's no right or wrong. It's just what yeah. you. Hmm, that's a hard one. I think one of the lessons I'm really grateful for is that nothing is really permanent. Like this idea that sometimes we get so held up by these scary decisions because we're like, whatever we do, it's like final. Like we, you know, like our life is forever over if it doesn't work out exactly how we hope it does. Right. I mean, obviously there are things like death that are final for some, but I, I, I think that it's this idea that you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to 
again, have everything clearly mapped out and that it's okay to make a decision and, and then adjust to pivot, to persist. And that that's a lesson I'm really grateful for. As soon as I embrace this idea that, look, there's a million and one different possible outcomes of this thing. So I'm just going to go for one and see where it leads. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it allowed me to do so many more things in my life that I never would have attempted to do. So I, I hope that oh. helps someone out there. I think that's beautiful. Nothing is permanent. I, that's beautiful. I love it. Absolutely love yeah. it. Thank you so much for this conversation today. I really, really appreciate it, Ellen. I think that you have given a lot of value to all of the listeners and I will make sure that everything is in the show notes so that they can connect with you and reach with you. But I'm really grateful for this time with you today. Thank you so much, Marsha. You are an incredible interviewer. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.